Hello and welcome to Last of the 80s Kids. I'm Zach. And I'm Forrest. And welcome back to this uh, episode here. Uh, you were, we just got back from seeing The Creator, so this is our special Just Saw Creator just a little bit ago. Uh, you know, little 30 minute reaction. Um, I've seen this movie twice already. I couldn't, uh, I knew you were coming down, but I wanted to try and see it opening night. Um, that didn't work for uh, Close to Me. So I got the very next showing the next day, uh, and then I saw it again today with you. Um, so I've seen this twice, you've seen it once, um, and I want to know uh, what's your what was your overall thoughts? We haven't really talked super in-depth, just a little bit, you know. I know that you liked it, but let's talk about how much you liked it, what's your thoughts? Yeah, think for about sure. Think going into you know, it, all it, that. I, I knew that it, it looked like the most promising science fiction film that has come out in a, in a while. Um, it's not based on an IP, nope. um, which some people are trepidatious about, but I'm pretty stoked about because it's always that. nice to see original science fiction stories get a big budget and a mass release. 100%. Um, I enjoyed the heck out of it. I mean, it's been a really fun uh, day at the movies for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I absolutely loved it. I, um, I had high um, hopes from the minute I saw the uh, trailer, I had high hopes uh, from when I heard all the people who were involved. And then with each trailer, I kept liking it more and more. And then uh, in this past week, I heard a couple of the, uh, you know, film reviewers that I like come, you know, go see uh, critic screenings and come out saying they really liked it. So I was getting more and more excited. So I went in with very high expectations, high hopes. And for me, they were met, and them then some. I think this is one of the best movie movies of the year. Um, personally, for me, I put uh, Oppenheimer and this film as neck and neck. Um, if you want me to, if I had my own Academy Awards, they are in the best picture category right now. Um, but uh, I know that's a very strong feeling. As we talked a little bit before, uh, some people are really not enjoying this movie, so that's kind of bumming me out. But I'm hoping that more people go and check this out because I think that there's more substance to this movie than people are um, seeing at first glance. Yeah, and you know, it's the first weekend, so that's always a bit of a roller coaster for a movie's reception. There, there's movies that have come out that get a terrible reception and then turn into classics. And... One thing that you pointed out to me that I thought was really important was the trailers. You know, there's this um, Dream On by Aerosmith trailer, and it, it's well put together. It, it kind of follows a template that's gotten a little old, which is either remixing an old song or yeah. incorporating a classic rock song to to try and make it more approachable. And I, I don't think that that initial trailer really captured the movie's vibe at all um yeah. it definitely captured the imagery and the the basic plot sure but we looked at the imax trailer that yep. you had suggested to me yep and um if you're curious about this movie and you're like i haven't youtube the trailer look up that imax trailer and that really sells it yes. for what it is yeah i i agree because and that's one of the things that like um that's one of the things I find very interesting with this film is that uh, I think that one of the biggest things is that you either uh, love it or you're going to uh, uh, hate it. Yeah, it's I, it's one of those. It's a unique film. It's a very unique film. Uh, there are people that, um, that uh, well, like I said, um, let's let's kind of, I don't know, let's, let's kind of break it down. I loved it. I give this an A+. I think this is up there with Oppenheimer, one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, and one of your dogs really likes it too. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Miss Pug. Um, uh, the only other movie that I can see, uh, you know, since Dune got pushed, I can see Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, being the other movie this year that I can just see might, you know, come into that company. But I love this movie. I thought it was great. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I thought this was very original and. One of the things that I really thought, and this is kind of, it's a cliche that, you know, to say that you're supposed to stand on the shoulders of who came before. But I think that a lot of times people and a lot of the some of the Hollywood industry has started to get away from that. And I think it's changed and I think it's morphed into, you know, bigger, 
you know, superhero movies and all that and new wondrous things that people can do. That's wonderful. But like we saw an interview with Gareth uh, Edwards where he said what happened to people just saying, let's get together and make a new idea, whatever it is, a new cop film, a new sci-fi film, a new medical drama film. What happened to that? Why is that a scarier proposition than doing the seventh Transformers film? Yeah. And, yeah. and that's kind of a big switch because... You know, when we were growing up, people said, oh, no, past two or three, they'll never be good. You should never see them. It doesn't matter. You can get, you know, uh, Alfred Hitchcock to come back to life and you cannot make the, you know, fourth Back to the Future good or something like that. But now in today's world, people are saying one of the big, you know, like you said in your introduction, um, is that IP is a big thing that comes into this. When you're trying to talk about this movie, trying to sell this movie, giving this movie credit. Because people say, okay, what's it like? What other seven movies can I put together? And there are. There are influences. There are tips of the cap. But I don't think that they're direct rip-offs. People are calling some of this movie rips off or, you know, just taking cliches and just, you know, doing an extra, doing a cliche again for a cliche. But I think what Gareth Edwards is doing is he's standing on top of uh, the people who came before and he's trying to add just a centimeter or two to the pile. He's not trying to add a mountain. He's not trying to reinvent the entire um, emotional, uh, you know, movie-going experience at all the sci-fi films that's ever come before. No, he's trying to stand on their shoulders and add a little bit. And I think that's scarier, and people haven't been doing that as much as they are doing the safer IP routes. Yeah, well, and there's, there's a finite amount of directions. Like, as much as there's an infinite amount of possibilities in science fiction you know a movie that comes to mind to me is something like uh sunshine which it becomes kind of a horror movie yes and there are like some science fiction movies that take that route and there are other science fiction movies that become detective noir stories like blade runner and there's the marooned in space trope or the journey through space trope and there there's a lot of options, yes. but at the end of the day, if you choose to tell a story about artificial intelligence, if you choose to tell a story about uh, what I would maybe describe as like a degraded future, like a very grimy, not dystopian, but like very dirty future where there's high highs and low lows, yes. skyscrapers and slums, yep. um, you know, you're going to end up aping some of the concepts that Ridley Scott introduced in Alien and that he introduced in Blade Runner. Yes. Well, and and that's one of the things that that's one of the things that I loved about the movie and that's one of the things that I thought was a a plus was that I thought that he took some of the concepts and some of those things like AI and made them more realistic. And what I mean by that, and we've talked about this, um, so, oh, and always, uh, we're, we don't get into too much of big spoilers, we don't try and, like, spoil the entire plot or go beat yeah. by beat, but we do try and talk about the movie, and so if you're one of those people who, like, I don't even want to know that John David Washington's name is Joshua, then, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. then maybe uh, come back and see, you know, listen to us after, but um, there are parts in this movie where robots are seen drinking tea, looking at sunsets, praying, vaping. And I'm reading a lot of people saying, wow, those are really um, in poor taste. Those just are there for, you know, uh, CGI people to get their money and all that. And I think that is the totally opposite of what what those were. I think that those were showing you that they are just like us. That if you have a robot and if you have sentient robots, one robot is going to think that prayer is exciting and reassuring and wants to delve into thinking more about religion. Then there's going to be another robot that doesn't want to do that. He wants to sit with his friends, watch a hologram of other dancing robots, and vape. And I think that that's wonderful because what does that sound like? That sounds just like a human. And that's exactly what the movie's trying to portray. Um, So, I yeah, so... I think that this, and and something else I find really fascinating about this movie is the Vietnam comparison. Some people are saying they really didn't understand why this was all just like Apocalypse Now or a Vietnam movie that's taking place in 2023. And we were talking about it on our car ride home that we thought this movie was very prescient and talking about the future and tiptoeing in between the raindrops 
of the real political China, AI, America, West versus East, all that. And I can definitely see that there's nods and tips of the cap to other movies, but I don't think the movie is talking about the Vietnam conflict. But so many people are saying that this is a Vietnam movie. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I think that, like you said, it's prescient. And um, there's this country called, I think it's New Asia, is yes. the is yep. the country that is kind of composed of most of Asia, like Vietnam, Cambodia, and China, and the Koreas and whatnot. Yep. And for me, what it really tried to represent was an imagined future for Asia yep. that also doesn't really step on any toes, per- yeah. particularly like Chinese audiences who just as much as American audiences, don't really like people supposing things about their country 50 years in the future, which I get. Well, and and also, yeah, and there's like so many, that's one of the things that, that for me, I find this film to be amazing film is because there's so many, there's so much discourse and so many things that people um, are talking about the film. And um, like one of my, like we were talking about it, it's one of my favorite, one of the interesting criticisms I've read online is that this is an anti-American film. But the problem with that is is that the hero who saves AI and humanity is an American. So, like, you know what I mean? So, like, I understand that you may not like that it comes down on the harsher military aspects of the USA and Army and, like, foreign policy... But even as somebody who supports America and the, the troops and all that stuff, I can say in the history of the United States, there have been a couple times where we probably went in and bombed first and asked questions later. I think even the most, I even think some of the most right people can say that, yeah, maybe we went a little overboard sometimes in this instance or that instance. In sure. History. Mistakes so, were made. Mistakes yeah. were made. So, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't think that that's the point. I think that the point isn't an anti-American thing. Uh, even because even Ken Watanabe says, you know what happens when we win and we take over America? Nothing. We yep. just want to live with you. Yep. We just we just want to live in peace. And I guess for me, the the big connection would be to I mean, pick your poison. Either Pearl Harbor or more recently nine eleven. Um, it's yeah, totally. really not much of a spoiler. It's mentioned in the trailer, but there's a, a catastrophic. Uh, event akin to like a terrorist attack or an unprovoked strike and um, the movie deals in the aftermath of that like eight years ten years later Um, for me that was not necessarily an indictment of America it was just inspired by a real dynamic that has existed in the world and it wasn't so much anti-American as critical in, yes, in I, a fair yes, sense, yes, I, because I totally agree, yes. America is very sympathetic in that regard. At the opening of the movie, you're like, ooh, I really don't like these AI. They, they really did America dirty. Yep. And uh, America's portrayed as militaristic, is, is what I would say. It's, it's not fascist no, at all. There's, no. there's really not a fascist bent to it, no, but, but it, it but is it, militaristic. It, but let me just say is that if not taking all politics out of it, if you're thinking and you're trying to going to be telling a story that's almost 50 years in the future now and a catastrophic thing worse than even 9-11 or um, Pearl Harbor happens to America, would we react less um, violently or more violently in 50 years? I don't, you know, now this movie says we're going to be more violent, we're going to be more militaristic, and who knows, in 50 years maybe everyone has... Um, rainbow guns and all wars is settled by chess m- matches and the movie was so far off base because there's not wars with AIs and you know mm-hmm. you know um, and of course hopefully nothing ever bad happens in the next 50 years like what they talk about in the movie so that's another reason why it's it's science fiction it's extrapolating current things taking it to the future and then talking about both the future and now in different ways and giving it little, um, uh, you know, little flavors. Um, America isn't like this. It's not saying that this is how it is now, 
but this is what would happen if America did this. This is how New Asia would be if this happened. This is how some humans would react this way and some humans, you know. One of the things that I loved in the in the film is this talking about, it's a line. It's a very simple line, but it's repeated and it's very powerful. It, they're not real. Mm-hmm. They're not real. And there's a point where where you, you go, there's many times in the movie, and this is where I kind of get worked up when people say that it didn't, this movie didn't have substance, is that that little line, um, the first couple times he is said by our main character or by other characters, you go, I guess that makes sense, uh-huh, uh-huh. By the end of the film, somebody says that to you, it's almost like saying the F word to you. Yeah, it, it becomes very derogatory. And, 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 but the people around think it's great, but us, the audience, and the main character who we've gone on this journey with, it's the exact same line, those exact same words. They're not real. Okay, that's it. And they change from uh, the beginning of the movie to, oh, yeah, I get, yeah, I guess you're right, or no, you're right, or however you feel about it, to by the end. Um, if you're vibing with the movie, and if you're feeling the the main conceit of the movie, you should be like, "Wow, that is such a hateful thing to say." And that's the point, and that's the substance. If you don't feel that by them, then I can understand why that may be lost on you. Yeah. Well, and one of the first steps towards um, towards genocide, towards mass murder, is dehumanization. People dehumanize a group of people. They label them. They basically say they are less than human. It's happened throughout history. And what Gareth Edwards and the other writer on the film do so cleverly is they kind of invert that. And by the end of the movie... You, you not only recognize that that's dehumanizing, and I, so, I know some people immediately, they're thinking, well, they're AI. They aren't human. How can you dehumanize them? Yep. What it does is it forces you in your mind to consider that, well, I feel like it's unfair to dehumanize them because the story has done such a good job of humanizing yes. these AIs. Exactly, yes. And that's, yeah, exactly. And that's where I think that that's the, the movie is, is um... Uh, I, one of the criticism of the movie is one of the things I absolutely loved about this film was that I thought that this movie was going to come down hard on some, some viewpoint about AI and how we should, um, attack the future. And it didn't, it gives you like all good sci-fi, many possibilities, many thoughts, and some of the characters say, this is the way, this is what's going to happen, and this is what's... And that's something else I find really interesting, is that people are saying that the plot doesn't make sense, and that that the screen, that, that it doesn't um, connect, because things are always changing, and that it's never like A, B, C equals D. Yeah. But that's not how life is, and the the writers were trying to tell a story that felt both organic and real, Yeah. but was also trying to be contrived, and like, how do you get these characters all back together and how do you get the um you know um some of these emotional beats but like that's the cleverness and that's where some of the the greatness for me comes in this movie excuse me but some people are calling it a detriment because it's not being spelled out a b equals c yeah they're going a b c maybe z d e f and 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 it's one of those movies where it says what do you think? And, uh, you know, and the movie says, you know, we kind of are leaning towards D, but maybe you could think E or F. And people are saying that this movie doesn't come down on the choices. It doesn't come down as pro, you know, it says this yeah. movie's not pro AI or anti AI. It's coming in at this. But I think that's realism. I think this is trying to talk about the beauty of the human condition. And maybe, maybe even the, the maybe the start of the beauty of the robot condition. Like that's yeah, kind of what I felt. I about. like that. Yeah, this is the start of the robot, con- you know, um, and they've just been mimicking us. And the very end of the movie, I think, for me, I kind of feel is the start of the robot connect uh, um, connection. Uh, and 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 we don't know how that's going to go. The movie ends. That's up to you. I yeah. don't, and I hope they don't make a sequel because I think this is a perfect film. And the point is to always try. Yeah. And, you know, I think a really good um, comparison to draw that would be beneficial is a movie like um, 
Will Smith in that, uh, what is it, artificial intelligence or iRobot? That's I it. iRobot. Yeah. That's it. Um, that that movie is soulless. And its whole point is that, like, oh, robots sometimes do good things, but, like, people are prejudiced against them. And yep. it's very ham-fisted. Yep. I love Alex no, Proyas no, no, you know what? to the perfect. moon. I, you're but, right. You know, it's like this movie does everything right that that movie tried to do. And, and I think people are thinking that this is going to be a new that. Because, yeah. you're, because that is the exact same feelings. The things that I don't like about that film, or what I was afraid I was going to get in this film. And that's not what Gareth Edwards did, and that's why I love this. Yeah, yeah. and one scene that sticks out, and this is like the first 15 minutes of the sure, movie, yeah. and th- this connects to a few good things. Um, there's a, a scene that's really well done where our main character, Joshua, goes to work, and he has to help with cleaning up this area where there was a horrible incident you know there's like radiation everywhere so he wears this big space suit along with his co-worker and they're pulling debris out they're gathering like still dead bodies that have been left in this giant crater and they open a car and they pull a robot out and it starts screaming and it's not screaming in pain it's screaming because it wanted to save the humans that were in the car with it which i you know coincidentally that's a big part of that will smith movie where he's upset about a a robot not saving his daughter when their car crashes into a lake um and it's amazing to me because like you brought up there's that line that like oh it's not real and one of the other lines that's repeated is it's programming he keeps saying to this woman who gets very upset like she's like it it sounded real and he's like no it's just programming yep well and and that's one of the things i loved about this film and this is one of the things where i i'm wondering if this is what people are bouncing off of i even i even i the first time I sat down to watch this, the first 10 minutes of this movie, I think, I don't like our main character. Yeah. And that's one of the things where I think that by the end of this film, I think that he is a new sci-fi hero. Up there with like Ripley and Michael Bean and all that. But the first 10 minutes, I went, oh no, this guy's kind of a dick. And they even say in the first line you meet him, he's kind of a dick. But that is his personality, and that's also what helps him get through the hard times and gets to the end of the film. And that is harder to do. It is harder to make a protagonist start off with going, I don't like this guy. And by the end going, I love you, man. I want to be with you always. It's so harder to do than, oh, you're a little edgy. Maybe you don't, you know, you're not fit in well with your family or something. And then by the end you love kids. No, it is like, he's a fallible human being. Yes. And, um, I think one of the things that this movie really nails is the concept of a spectrum. There's, Yes. The movie Alita by Robert Rodriguez, uh, yep, co-written funny, by James Cameron, touched movie. on this. Maybe James Cameron's best writing about artificial intelligence, sure. because that movie also looks at it on a spectrum, where you have Alita as just a full-blown robot, you yep. have cyborgs, and then you have just regular humans. And this movie does that as well. Like, our main character, Joshua, two, three minutes into the movie, you're like, oh, he has a robotic arm. Yep. Oh, he also has a robotic leg. Yep. And you're like, well, he's kind of a robot. Exactly. In a way. Exactly. Yeah. But he's okay because he's using robotics to add to his life. But if you have a new life that we say is sentient, well, that doesn't count. And, and it kind of shows you the hypocrisy of it. And that's one of the things I loved about this movie is that I felt like this movie was showing you. And it wasn't telling you. Yeah. And I feel that people wanted to be told some stuff. And I think that people wanted to be told um, how to feel about the main character or like, or even the main, um, it's not a spoiler, Gemma Chan is in this, uh, uh, yeah, Gemma Chan is is in this film as um, the wife of Joshua. Yep. And even her character starts off very human very interesting and by the end of the film you have a different relationship with her than you do at the beginning every and that's everybody in this movie by the end of the film you have a different relationship with and that is so crazy that there are so many arcs and that one of the things we talked about and i'll bring it up here one of the things i absolutely loved in this movie 
Um, and one of the actors I want to, uh, I'm sorry for if I mispronounced her name, but Amar Chada Patel as Omni Sekon and Sergeant Bua. Um, so in the movie, there's a conceit. Uh, it's in the very first couple seconds of the film that you can scan your likeness and have robots uh, that look like you. So there could be 50 of you walking around. Yeah. Sounds kind of scary, but that's the conceit of the yeah. movie. And so in the movie, they play with that where you see this um, actor who is a robot and uh, he's playing some of the police in New Asia uh, who, you know, we don't really delve into those guys' character, but you don't like them. They're so, they're the bad guys hunting our Yeah, big they're guys. an antagonistic yep. force of some kind. But yeah. this other robot character who only has a couple of scenes spattered in throughout the film, who we absolutely love... Uh, is also played by him as the voice, and I'm sure on set, you know, for the yeah. And so, so, and that's another reason why this movie is so clever is that they had one actor play three different roles, but not in the um, Freaky Friday. Let's do it, you know. No, like in a really cool, unique, everyone's different kind of way. And I yeah. love that. So. And, you know, while we're on the subject, I mean, there's uh, this secondary character. Uh, his name is Drew. I did not notice it until we were looking up the cast list. But he's played by the uh, musician Sturgill Simpson. <coughs> he does a fantastic job. Um, additionally, he has a romantic interest. Oh, yeah. And that woman is played by v Veronica, Veronica Neo. Um and she was also in uh, The Last Jedi yep. uh, in a minor role, which is kind of a fun little connection. Not not consequential. Movie has nothing to do with, you know, yeah. uh, The Last Jedi, but it's a fun little connection. And then the, the big standout, for sure, is Allison Janney. And she has uh, always been an amazing performer since her work on The West Wing, since her work in Juno, and it's so cool to see her emerge as this antagonist. Yes. And I think there's like two things I would say about her performance. One, much like the performances with the robots, much like the script, it's humanizing. Yes. Our first introduction to her as this hard-ass military woman yes. is a heartfelt moment that she shares with yep. Joshua. Yep. And it's a very moving scene. It is a moving scene. And then throughout the movie, she emerges as the primary antagonist. And yeah. I didn't notice it until we were talking about it on the car ride home. But she's kind of filling this new archetype that I think started maybe with Jodie Foster in Elysium. Okay. Yep. And okay. continued with Eddie Falco in The oh, Way of okay. Water. Yep. Um, which is this, you know, this hard-edged... A uh, woman in her fifties that is the antagonist. Yes. Um, yeah. No, it, that's it's just that, fascinating. That very, that, no, that's very interesting. And so I'm happy you chose um, her uh, because my two standouts uh, for my for me were going to be Allison Janney and Ken Watanabe. I thought Ken Watanabe um, stole every scene that he was in. I think that he is one of the coolest looking robots. Um, I think he's going to go up there with, um, I, I don't know how to, dis I don't know, you know, how to, probably with, um, uh, what, what's her name from Ex Machina. Oh, okay. I think it's yeah, going to be yeah. like, um. Alicia Vikander? Yeah, I think? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be that kind of a thing where, um, of course some of the brilliant, you know, some of the brilliant imagery is going to be the, the, uh, Nomad spaceship that's in the trailer, Joshua and, um, Alfie. Of course, you know, those are our main characters, of course. But I think, you know, in the years to come when somebody goes, you know, remember the creator, it's going to be a big shot of Ken Watanabe looking like an awesome robot samurai. Like, yeah. Come on. Yelling and speaking in Japanese and English, but having the like and and he is such a good actor. I mean, I know I'm breaking new ground and new news here, but Ken yeah. Watanabe's a good actor. But the thing that I loved about him in this movie was like. He was another one for he for me. He was the um, the good guys kind of antithesis to Allison Janney, where his heart and at the end of the day he's gonna try and save lives and stuff. But he knows that he has to sacrifice this, and these people are gonna die. And oh, all the people screaming when the Americans come and kill or come to the village, everyone else is freaking out, and he just goes, 
yep, another another day of war casualties. And yep. that's kind of that same kind of vibe where she's supposed to be loving and, you know, um, heartfelt and, and, you know, but she's mean and crass and the villain. And then he's supposed to be a hero, who's, and he is, but... And again, like I yeah, said, that's there's the... that spectrum again, though. Yes. You have like yes. this Eastern character who is um, very meditative and you have this Western character who's very, you know, antagonistic and, and, and shoot first, ask questions. Yeah, and yep. she's all human and he's all robot and they counterbalance the plot with Joshua and Alfie, the uh, two characters no, in the center. She has no problem killing and he has no problem killing, but she doesn't care about it and he does care about killing. But yeah. they both are like in a war. I have to take you know the people out in front of me, and that's such an interesting, cool dichotomy. And again, so when people are saying that there's no substance or this movie doesn't tell you or you know tell me how to feel about stuff, I go look at those two characters and go, what do you think? And watch this movie and go, who do you think is right and wrong? And I'm gonna tell you throughout the film, you're gonna have a scene where you go, Ken Watanabe, you're awesome. You're gonna be like the good robot that's gonna save everybody, and then he's gonna be like, we gotta kill people, and then there, and then it's gonna be vice versa. Yeah, there's and a couple I'm, moments where you think, oh, I thought I liked this guy, but yep. but he's fallible. Yep, and and, and love and, it. And by the end of the film, and the thing, and um. I'm trying to think if there's anything else before. I just want, to, but the end of the film I thought was a great. I think it's one of the one of the best um, original. I don't know how to describe it, but like when you leave the theater, it's so emotional, and I love that. Yeah, and it's not in for me, in my personal opinion, it was not in a manipulative way. It was not in a um, cliched way or a you know trying to you know. Uh, shoot the dog to make you cry sort of a thing. I don't think that that's how the ending is. I cried the first time I saw it. I cried the second time with you. I will probably cry. Um, and the second time around, there was other things that got me more the second time than the first time around. And so, like, that's one of the things where you got to look at this movie, look at all the different characters, try and put them together, try and pull them apart, see what you agree with, see what you don't, and that's the point of the movie. And it doesn't tell you, oh, Allison Janney is 100% wrong 100% of the time. And it doesn't tell you that Joshua is right 100% of the time. And it doesn't tell you, um, you know, yeah, the only yeah, one who's innocent is Alfie. Yeah. And here, here's what I want to ask you. Because when you started talking to me about this movie, you started telling me, um, A, how it compares to some of your favorite recent sci-fi. Yes. And B, what you think it riffs on yes. in a good way. So okay. could you talk about that a little? Uh, sure, yeah. So uh, um, this is my favorite sci-fi movie, I think, since, uh, you know, if we're going to take out Dune, I would say um, Arrival, uh, Blade Runner 2049, again, both by Denis Villeneuve. Uh, fantastic movies, but this is for me that kind of caliber of sci-fi. It's original, it's trying to do something, um, and uh, it's wonderful and it's beautifully shot. It's well acted, um, and the design work is just fantastic. You know, you can tell that this, and it feels real. And that's one of the things that I liked is that um, um, I I think that it just felt so um, as realistic as you can get if we are going to go into this sci-fi conceit. And that is really hard to do and really impressive. It did not feel all the time like a science fiction film, quote-unquote. Um, they say, and Gareth Edwards has said it, that you could take out some of the special effects and this would just be a really interesting, like, thriller film. And that could be a fun thing to see someday. But the movie kind of riffs, like you said, on Blade Runner. And people are calling out movies, you know, saying that, oh, you know, there's a lot of aliens and Blade Runner. And even Spielberg. And you asked me on the car ride over, you know, you know what kind of Spielberg and AI is the one that comes up. Uh, you know, and even we talked about it, you know, Kubrick is the real the heart behind that movie, but he died and then Spielberg made sure that it got finished. But so you don't think about it as a Spielberg film, but that movie is also about the birth of a child and all that. And so, so some people are talking about that. These are criticisms saying, you know, um, there's a scene and this is one of the things I think is so silly. So I'm going to, I'm going to break it to you right now. There's a seed where the Americans come out of their little gunship and there's a little tractor and the tractor has two little arms that are 100% a nod to uh, Ripley and Aliens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, the, a, it's like a little bobcat with a, little, a bunch of extra stuff welded to it. Exactly. And the little thing and the woman sits in there. 
and then the rest and then the next scene it's parked the you never see the arms ever again and it gets blown up or whatever so yeah. it's never it's not part of the ending film and so people are pointing to that as like oh you ripped off aliens why couldn't you get your own ideas why yeah. what i thought of that was a tip of the hat let's take some of the militaristic aspects from aliens let's add upon them let's go yeah that's a good idea for a movable vehicle with actual hands or you know little pinchers and let's make this vehicle that, you know, looks kind of like the ships from Alien, but now they have um, hovering, because we now know that we can hover with um, helicopters, and we could use, like, you know, um, subsonic sound. It doesn't all have to be diesel fuel and stuff. So they added little things, and so that's what you yeah. do, is that you add to what's come before to make something new. It's So, so that's when, it, so, like, Aliens, um, you know, there's a lot of Spielberg, Ridley Scott, and he even says this. But he is adding to it. He's not reinventing it. You're not going to go in there and be like, you know. And that's one of the things that people are like, the AI, they all look the same. They're all the same AI um, when it comes to, um, like, the human face. Oh, the, sure. The faces yeah. are different, but the back is there, is the yeah, same. Yeah. And people are pointing that out as a flaw. Yeah, but that, it's, well, the, if you take people apart their skulls look identical Almost so you exactly know right. it's and the ones funny that, and the ones and so 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 yeah exactly right the underneath is is the same the face is what's different and then there are some robots in this move in this movie that don't have faces they have little like cameras and those also have um similar looking faces yeah and people are calling that lazy design work and i say no like you said that is like having a little head a big head uh going bald not going bald um whatever and dealing with there, it. there's a finite amount of ways you can make a robot look yeah and if you, you notice know? some robots wore stuff around like turbans some yep. didn't some wore clothing some wore uh clothing that looked like robotic like you're like that looks you know kind of weird and then some looked like it was just street clothes because just like real life People are going to do that. And so it's showing you this world. It's showing you their humanity. It's not telling you about it. So so that's one of the things. That's Like you yeah. said, That's so if you love those sci-fi films, I think that this is a fantastic love letter and um, child. It is a 21st century, um, what we thought about when we were kids, and we said, man, I can't wait to see in 20 years when we're in our 30s and 40s what kind of sci-fi we're going to get. This is the movie we thought we were going to get, but now people are saying, oh, it's not connected to IP, or oh, um, I don't know how to compare this to everything else. And that's really weird, because I really felt like this is kind of the extension. Of course, I didn't know that we were going to be so prevalent in AI and climate change and all the, of course, but I was hoping that sci-fi would try and tackle some of these big subjects, but with beautiful acting, clever ways of doing sci-fi, and having a kick-ass time with the movies. And for me, the creator did all of it. So Yeah. Well, and Gareth Edwards did some really clever things. You know, he blended ideas. Like, y you kind of have the look of Ex Machina, the, the yeah. AI in that, but you also have a lot of Neil Blomkamp-ish Sure. Um, designs that I love. Yeah. Um, like between District Nine and particularly Elysium, yeah. the the robots do bear a resemblance to some of the security robots in Elysium, sure. and I'm fine with that because for me, what he balances so well is the industrial side and the cyberpunk side. It's so the cyberpunk is your Blade Runner, yeah. and the industrial is. Definitely like the Wayland Utani stuff from Alien and Aliens, but also kind of the Neil Bloomkamp style of incorporating what I what I don't really like uh, most words for, but the lens of people from other continents and lifestyles, particularly people that maybe are not as well off as sure. people in the West. Yep. And so you, you look at it through the lens of a lot of these Vietnamese and or Chinese or so-called new Asians. Yep. Um, and it, it, that's where you can really see uh, some similarities to Bloom Comp, but he adds all kinds of his own stuff that yeah. gives it its own special well, well, you, sauce. You said, you said it, and this is kind of the thing that I totally agree with. And, and if you want me, no one, I know, you know, we're just, this just popped in my head. I like, and we talk about, I like Neil Blomkamp. Uh, we're going to be talking about Gran Turismo um, in, you know, after, in another episode. But we just watched that as well. And we really like him as a director. But like you said, 
if I'm going to compare The Creator to the other three Neil Blomkamp films, which I like all three of them. Of course, I think District 9 is probably the best. I personally really like Elysium, and then I think Chappie is kind of a drop-off, but I still enjoy it. But like you said, I think this movie has more heart than those other movies, and I agree. The thing that was missing, even though I liked all of those, was that I wanted more of the heart, the humanity, the like, the good, the ugly, the beautiful, the sad, the sexy, the funny, the heartfelt, the 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 terrifying, um, and and of course it's really and what are we talking about? It's really hard to do all of them, and yeah. people like Neil Blomkamp try and get four, five, six, and this movie's going ten, fifteen. And yeah. that is hard to do. It's stacking all kinds of things. And I'm glad you mentioned um, that it's funny. It is surprisingly funny. Yes. There are a lot of moments that you will you will either be, you know, a, a Debbie Downer and you'll go, oh, that's a goofy line. Yep. Or you, if you're along for the ride, there are some hilarious lines in this movie. The kid gets a few really yes. good zingers. I think the kid, um, um, the, the, uh, this is her first role, um, Madeline Yana Voiles as Alfie. Um, she's wonderful in this. And I heard from people that she was, um, you know, she's going to steal your heart away. And I was like, okay, you know, it's hard for even, um, adult actors to steal, you know, yeah. Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford, uh, you know, that's kind of, you know, but I will say by the end of the movie, I'm just like, I will, you know, fight a, no, I will fight alongside a war for this, you know, little girl. And, and I think that's wonderful. Yeah. And I, I have a few lingering thoughts. No, 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 one yeah, let's, one let's in particular, yeah. I gotta say, is, um, you know, we brought up this idea of programming, and a lot of these AI are portrayed oh, yeah. as religious. They're like, it, for that. lack of a word, Buddhist of yep. some kind. Yeah. Um, and I, for me, I just said, for me, I said it's practicing religion. They are in New Asia, so they are practicing the major religion. They Gareth Edwards does not have time to go to all the temples where there's a robot that's, um, you know, uh, practicing Christianity and crash, you know, doing Islam. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but for me, in the movie, those scenes were saying that they are religious robots. Yeah, anyway, and they were like that, portrayed yeah. as monks. Um, yeah. and I, I brought up and. I, you know, like if you've ever been at a religious service of some kind, there's usually a type of prayer that everybody knows, you know, whether it's like the serenity prayer or the Lord's prayer or any given prayer in your chosen faith. Yes. And I liked to draw a comparison to like, well, sometimes that can feel a little like programming because everybody says those prayers kind of robotically. And so I really appreciated how it blurred that line. And it blurred it a little further. Um, Allison Janey's character, um, it's kind of a throwaway line. When she has one of her soldiers die, she whispers to him, I'll see you in Valhalla, which to me spoke to the militaristic background. She but thinks also, of herself as a warrior. Yeah. That tells me that she says that her and her people are warriors, and she thinks of herself as like a Valkyrie. Yeah, yeah, and it just blew me away that there's that. that little religious, yep. you know nugget and I then and then a fun aspect that i wouldn't really be able to analyze because i'm not well versed in the bible but sure. joshua that's yep. a, also from um the the hebrew bible from yep. the old testament as some people call yep. it and he's the hebrew leader of the israelites after moses died mm, and okay. so there's an interesting comparison to be made when you see how the entire plot plays out what happens to the creator and what happens to joshua no for sure no that's that's a that's wonderful that's another uh, oh and since you brought it back up and i i want to i remembered something from earlier when you were talking about alice janning the thing this speaks to the subtlety of this movie and why I like it. If you if this sounds like, oh yeah, I want to see this movie because it's going to have character moments like this, then you'll love this. If this goes, okay, what does that matter? Um, there's a moment, like you said, when he's, Allison Janney's talking to um, Joshua and a single tear rolls down her eye. And we as the audience, just like Joshua goes, and I won't tell you what the story is, but the story's pretty dark and it's pretty quick, but you go, wow. I can understand how that would make someone cry. But her team, it's, there's only one shot. The captain, the team leader, the most gruffest man on the team, 
stops what he's doing and gives a look of, oh my god, that is something I've never seen our captain ever do. I've seen her murder, I've seen her blow up whole cities of people, but I've never seen her cry. It doesn't do that. There weren't people going, look, look, the captain's crying. Oh, holy sh... No, you just felt it because of the looks and, and like, people were noticing. And, like, like you said, this movie's so real because the captain's breaking down the orders, you know, whatever lingo. Oh, yeah, we're going to go in here and we're going to... And then he stops. And then the person he talks to is like, are you okay, Bob? And then he looks. And then the next person's like, what? And then it cuts. And then it never goes back. Yeah. And it never goes back, and it never tells you, oh, they're really freaked out. But it just shows you really quickly in that moment that I can't believe that this Joshua guy got our leader, our Valkyrie, to cry. Yeah. And that is the subtlety in this movie. And I love that so yeah. much. And, you know, the, right before that scene is my favorite needle drop in the movie. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of needle drops in this movie where music is playing yeah. of various qualities. There's, like, Spanish music, yep. Vietnamese music, American music. Um, Hans and, Zimmer is the conductor of this, and he killed it again, in my opinion. Yeah. And um, Radiohead's Everything in oh. Its Right Place kicks off. Oh, and yeah. that is such a perfect song because Radiohead, when they made that song, were trying to be more artificial and more robotic while still sounding organic. It was a very deliberate choice oh, on yeah. the part of Gareth Edwards, and That's I loved sure. it. And it fits it. They they play like two minutes of the song, and it just works. Um, thinking about Gareth Edwards' other film, yeah. I gotta point out, he really likes the sky. Um, yeah. Godzilla's greatest shot, in my humble opinion, is the skydiving scene into San Francisco. Yep. Gorgeous. Um, Rogue One's finale yep. has a large yep. space thing. Yep. In the sky, crashing down. 100%. And then in our finale, we also have a giant thing in the sky yes. where the climax well, happens. And, and that's one of the things that I thought was was that is that they, they understood what was a strength of Gareth Edwards. And they said, how can we put this into a science fiction element? And it is a unique... For me, I thought that was unique. And I feel like that would be pretty realistic that we would have people on satellites you know that can go at a moment's notice for the u.s military that felt very real but the design was so um primal and unique and like you said he is so good at it like you know um uh, some people have pointed out that some people point out that they thought that the lines and the lights were goofy that it was like a superhero. I thought it was terrifying. I thought it was terrifying. It's ominous. Well, it's yes. a great effect. Yes. It's a cool laser. And yes. it, it almost makes the world feel like it's being scanned. It is. And yep. like there's no privacy. No. And, and yep. there isn't. Like this yes. thing is but, everywhere. But the movie never goes, oh, scanning, scanning mountain range. Yeah. It just doesn't. Because it's not dumb. It doesn't need to telegraph its meaning. You know, there's we, no exposition as, dumps and, either. No, there isn't. And you know? when we are, and as humans, and as we're following our main characters, we just see these scary blue lights and this thing in the sky and gareth edwards like you said did that so well previously how do we make that a huge part of this next movie and i think that if you gave this film um to another filmmaker i don't know if this in my opinion would be as great of a movie uh, maybe it'd be better maybe it'd be worse but i think that gareth for some of the parts understood I'm really good at these moments. I'm really good at these spectacle things, and I want to use that. Like the action. In the in the first couple trailers, it's kind of sold as an action film. And that's kind of one of the lesser complaints that I've heard, but there's not a lot of action. There is action, but it's the old school Terminator action. Why are we fighting? Because some robots or some, you know, uh, soldiers in gear just showed up and they're shooting us now. And the fight lasts about five minutes because that's how it really lasts in real life. Yeah. Uh, an explosive goes off and somebody's dead. And it's not 40 minutes of really cool. And I love that stuff too. I love the 40 minute shootout in Heat where it's, you know, you follow everybody and it's an awesome, yes, that is a killer action scene. But it is not like Heat. It is not like um, Commando or something. It's not that kind of an action movie. But again, like old school sci-fi, 
he wanted to say, let's make it still fun. I still had fun with the action, but I didn't go, oh, that was an action movie. And you know what? If you want to see one thing about the creator, see the action. I don't think it's a detriment. I never rolling my eyes going, oh, this is an action scene just so that we can get some popcorn. No. Like you said, everything here is for a purpose. It's real. And sometimes the action sequences are cool and there's action and they're blowing up. And sometimes somebody just gets shot and they're dead. And that's sad. And you watch them die. And that's sad. And that's and it's everything in between because that's what real life is. Yeah. And John David Washington, I gotta right. give a shout out to right. him at the end. Um, you know, he, he he mentioned something early on in the movie. He he he's really fixated on finding his wife. That's what he wants. Yep. He wants to find her. He yeah, it's not really a spoiler. He thought that um yep. you know he wouldn't be able to find her, and now it's possible he will. Yes. Yes. And he says offhand to Allison Janey. I would give anything to spend one more minute with her. Yep. And that line is kind of the, the the guiding light for him as a character. Like, yeah, he seems like a jerk, but you can always tell that that's all he's thinking about. Yep. Is like everything I do, I just, I don't care. I just, I want to see this woman one more time. And once he loves something, he will kill, die, thrash, nothing will stop him. And he loves Maya at the beginning of the movie, and we have and he has to learn to love Alfie. And when you when and you go, oh, you just spoiled it. No, you kind of go into the movie going, oh, I think that they're going to have a connection and a bond. But what's surprising is how they get to that by the end. The ending, they're going to come together emotionally, but it's not the same. It's not going to be in a um, turned you good, baby Yoda, Luke Skywalker shows up kind of a way. Some people I've read have said, oh, it's a cop-out ending. I totally disagree. I think that it all matches up to things that have been said, things that were set up earlier in the film, and the whole theme is right there at the very yeah. end. And so. it, it makes me appreciate Steven Spielberg slash Kubrick's AI, because oh. there is a parallel that can be drawn to the last moments of this movie to how AI yeah, yep. ends. Um, the last thought I have yeah, is yeah. the heaven line. Um, yep, yep. I think it's, it could be, it could be the tears in the rain of our generation. I'm happy you it said is the that. most beautiful I'm happy dialogue I've heard in a long I'm time. I'm very happy you said that because I, one of the things, and Forrest can tell you, before we talked on air, I kind of wanted, I, I kind of told them, you know, I love this movie and I don't want to be too um, one way, but I don't also want to be too salty with people. But but one of the things that I felt, even from the first time I saw it, was that the first time I, I saw the trailer for the creator and I saw the heaven line, I rolled my eyes and said, is this going to be a cliche we're going to hear this 17 times throughout the film. Are you good? Am I good? Are we both good? Are we all good together? Oh, God, it's going to get old. That was my one thing. By the end of this film, I agree. I think it's up there with Blade Runner for our generation. And for me, that's why I give this movie, um, if you want me to boil it down, just that line from going from, are you going to use that cliched line a billion times and you're going to make me hate this movie, to, I love that line makes this an A-plus movie for me. Yeah. Yeah, A-plus for sure. I mean, see it. See it in the uh, theater. Yeah. Uh, buy it on digital. Buy it on Dude, Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, buy it somehow, uh, please. Uh, uh, yeah, We need more movies like this. We do we need really more movies do. like this. Uh, I'm going to try and drag some other friends to go see it. Um, thank you very much. As you can tell, we had a really good time with this one. We hope you do, too. Uh, we're going to go uh, step out, grab some rest, and then we're going to come back and talk some more movies. Take care. All right, bye-bye.